Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from Louisville, Kentucky, Mr. Jay Bowman. Jay, how are you doing this fine day? I am doing great. How are you doing, Dave? Fantastic. So Jay is an experienced real estate entrepreneur who focuses on self-storage facilities, primarily on B-class self-storage facilities. So first of all, Jay, what is What's the difference between an A, a B, and a C, or is there even a C class storage facility? What what are the classes? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're going to see, uh, let's start off with the easy one that everybody knows when you're in a major city and you see a multi-storied self-storage building that's usually almost all climate control. Sometimes they may have some outdoor units, but it's it's a very large, very expensive self-storage facility. We're going to classify those as an A class. B class We'll so let's move to C class. C class is your smaller facilities, no climate control, usually not in great condition, not a lot of amenities that come with it, not as not security, not automated gates. There's no uh, there's nothing really special about it there. And you can go further to say something less than C might be uh, the one where nobody picks up the phone. It's junk. It's overgrown. But somebody needs somewhere to put their junk and then never pay for it. We like to focus on a bit of the middle ground for the B. B, we're going to have a mix of some climate control. We're going to have a lot of outdoor storage, maybe some parking along with that. And we're going to provide the services that people are really focused on. It's not a value add like the C's are, but we charge less than the A's. So you've got a good value add there. We're providing security with gates, fences, cameras, and making sure that everything is clean and operational for for your basic self-storage needs. All right. That sounds good. So how long have you been doing this and, and where do you focus on for your portfolio? facilities. Sure. So I've been doing this for a year and a half with my partner. We both came from the single family residential side of rehabs and rentals and then some retail selling. We moved into that about a year and a half ago, started our venture in July of 2020 and both decided nothing like, have, nothing like the middle of a pandemic for starting something new huh you know when you sit back and you're like well i'm sitting in my house what else can i possibly think about <laughs> doing how about i just start a brand new venture a brand there new business go. that'd be a I great idea it. i love it yeah so we tackled that we bought our uh, we bought our first facility in september of 2020 since then we have purchased three more with another under contract currently so how many how many units altogether do you have between the the four facilities? Right now we are roughly at 100,000 square feet. It's a little easier to talk about uh, the square footage because you could have 10 by 20s, you could have you could have almost large industrial where you have one door but it takes up a large number of space. So when we speak of storage, we like to talk about the square footage that we've we've got. Right now our just solely our buildings, we've got almost 100,000 square feet across four four facilities and with that comes a number of parking spots which we don't include in that square footage cuz there's nothing covering them up right now. Yeah. So they're just People who have RVs, boats, trailers, cars, things like that, we like to utilize the space we have to provide that service to them as well. Oh, that makes sense. So, you know, most people, when they think of self-storage, they're thinking of, you know, what they see on TV or what they use themselves, you know, storage wars kind of kind of things, that, that <laughs> kind of idea. These B-class facilities that you guys have in the portfolio right now, are they kind of like that? Are they, they kind of like the drive-in? drive up to type facilities, you've got the gate, you go in there and you put your stuff in the, in the storage unit. And if so, you know, 
what is the typical size? Because again, you talk about square footage, but again, I'm thinking as a consumer or I'm thinking sure. as a, a novice, how many doors or how many units are in one of those kind of buildings or one of those sure. kind of facilities? Sure. We have some. So our, our regular process is that we have a, a keypad where people enter through an automated gate and they can drive up to their outdoor unit. Prior to even getting to that keypad, they either called our phone number or rented the unit online. So we have a fully automated process to make this as easy as possible for people. Nice. So they're calling or getting the information online about what unit they're supposed to go to, what their key code is. So then they go to the facility with their truck, they enter their key code, and they continue on to their unit that they've been assigned already through our automated system. They're getting there. We say that a lot of the people that we're, it really depends on the area, but a lot of what we see are 10 by 10s or 10 by 15s. And when people are, people use storage when their lives are in transition, they're either moving or it's, you know, the death, divorce, or downsize, uh, downsize, downsize, you know, that's that anytime there is a life transition, that's where you find us in between helping with that situation. We've got a facility with 150 units. We've got another one with 250 and I'm using round numbers here. Another one with 275 and one with 75 units. That's usually where we find our, our sweet spots with those. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So Jay, you come from the world of flipping you come from the world of single family homes. You come from the world of tenants, toilets, termites, all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what has been like the big takeaway from you switching over to this new class of self-storage facilities? I think you answered, you answered the question before you even asked it. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, we, let you, I'll let you tell us in your own words. How about that? Absolutely. There are there are some real benefits to being involved in self-storage, a lot of which you have already named right there. I have a personal belief that that we're going to see more and more tenant-favorable laws be passed in major cities. I would consider Louisville one of those. We're a top 20-sized city. I don't think I think that that's what you're going to see after you've experienced the last two years. I don't believe some of those rules are going to go away. They're just going to change form. And so when you begin to invest in single family, you are going to be facing that housing as a right and that you're going to start seeing some of those laws come into play, which makes investing in single family homes a little more risky. And so Eric and I made the decision that we don't want to play in that sandbox anymore. We still have a portfolio of those, but it's just not something that we want to move forward in doing. We do find that the laws governing self-storage are a lot different. In single family, you have evictions. This can take, depending upon where you live, anywhere from two months to six months or even longer if you're in major cities. We don't have eviction laws in self-storage. We have lien laws. So the moment somebody does not pay, you're able to go by that state's lien law and within 10 days or 14 days or seven days, depending upon what state you're in, you can lock an individual out of their unit and easily within, let's say, 30, 45 days, if they have not paid, you can auction that stuff, have that unit cleaned out within a matter of hours, and then have it ready to rent again to another individual. That's If you want to know why, that's, that's really the speed of which and the ease of which we can operate in self-storage. 
That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave Debo, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's bookachatwithdave.com. Now, I don't know about in your neck of the woods, but I have heard other self-storage owners say one of the things they love about it is the fact that on a per square foot basis, they're getting about as much rent per square foot on a tin box, basically a self-storage unit, as they were getting in an apartment or a single family home in a per foot you know, basis kind of thing. So just the fact that you don't have to deal with as many utilities or as much infrastructure or plumbing or termites or all these kind of challenges. Talk to me a little bit about that. Have you found that to be more or less the case for you guys as well? Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of it. Once again, it it always depends on the area. In the we like to play in the tertiary markets, just outside of the major cities, and not. I think our, I think uh, we're looking at one in Shreveport, and that that would be right now the largest city that we would have purchased in. And you know, there's there's plenty of population. When you look at the rents that a city is getting, and then you look at what say a typical ten by ten would be in that area, I can see those comparisons easily. The good news is, once again, I'm not cutting anybody's grass, not having to worry about Into windows being broken. Yeah. Exactly. There's not, there's no drywall. We do have occasional dents in metal, metal people back into things, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily affect the functionality or the value of, of the unit and it can be repaired. And it's usually not as expensive as it is to completely redo a house once its usefulness is been fulfilled by the tenant. Uh, so we like to uh, we like to keep it simple. It, it's I think that we're going to see a lot of people in the future start moving towards investments where simplicity rules. You see a lot of people talking about other types of passive investments or semi-passive investments, I should say, where there's just a lot of a lot of cash, a lot of usefulness. It's a very in and out type of business, while residential does not is not that way. It is a long-term commitment to that person who is looking to stay there. Month-to-month rentals in apartments or houses uh, just can end up leading to a lot of problems. But the uh, having a transitory business where you have people in and out in a month or six months, and if you get lucky, sometimes they forget about you and they stay for two years or three years, and they have no idea that they've continued to pay even though they've taken their stuff out. It's just there's a lot of value to that and having those people in and out of in and out of the business pretty quickly. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, as an active investor yourself, Jay, you know, there's other people watching this and they may be interested in being passive or active. As an active investor, how many of these kind of facilities would a guy need to replace a typical job income sure so if you had something that just you wanted to take down you wanted to purchase on your own you wanted to self-manage and you wanted to replace basic income it's not that hard it's very simple you're 
you would be replacing one typical desk job for a different job altogether. So you would be the person answering the phone. You would be the person going to mow the grass at the facility. You're the one doing the lock checks and sweeping out the units. It's just you're replacing one thing for another. You could easily do that with, I would say, three, maybe four, but it all depends on your lifestyle and what you're wanting to accomplish. If you were to, you could buy today some facilities easily for smaller ones for two to $300,000 and find yourself with a decent revenue that would replace that if you bought it all for cash. If you had a little higher lifestyle, going to take a few more. Of course. It'll be a little more difficult to accomplish. But, you know, just like every other piece of real estate and business over the last couple of years, we've seen values just explode. And so, what used to be digging through a very small pile of coal to find a diamond, now we're digging through a very large pile of coal as the values have really just gone up, but the owner's rents don't reflect that, but they still, they're wanting uh, gold prices for uh, bronze returns. So we're being a little more picky about what we're looking at lately. Fantastic, Jay. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where should they go? Yep. You can check us out on our website at gobeyondstorage.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jay Bowman or on Facebook or LinkedIn. Awesome, Jay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with self-storage. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right, everybody. Take care, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.